Hello everyone, welcome back to Korean Fairy Tales. This fairy tale is called Cat Kin and the Queen Mother. Korea is called the land of plum blossom, but in the winter the rivers freeze over. Then the men cut through the ice, which is often several feet thick, to catch with their fishing lines and hooks the fish that swim in the water beneath. Yet... They are very glad to welcome any sign of the coming spring, and they watch eagerly for the pussy willows to show themselves. Now there was a farmer who lived in Naipo, which is a grain garden of the Korean Peninsula, who wanted a little daughter, though other parents cared more for sons. One day, Farmer Pak, for that was his name, discovered a pussy willow which seemed to him, after a long winter, like a light shining in a dark place. He plucked it and carried proudly home this branch full of fuzzy little buds. This was in sign of his happiness at the return of spring. He was tired of ice and snow, and now he knew that soon the gloomy hills would burst into glory of bright colours from the blooming flowers and look like an army with flags. That same day his prayers were answered and a little girl was born in his home. Giving the pussy willow to his wife, he said, We shall name our baby Catkin. That is, little puss. A catkin never saw a cradle for the Korean mothers carrying their babies on their backs. She was soon out of infancy, and then it was not long before she was standing up and toddling about and playing with her doggy and pet bull. These little pets on four legs usually take the place of kittens in a country home in Korea for the cats are wild and do not allow children to fondle them. Long before she was a dozen years old, a catkin became very fond of fairy stories, of which Korea had a great many, besides thousands of tales of wonderful people and animals and what happened to them. She often looked up towards the high hills and distant mountains, where she thought the fairies, dragons, ogres and tigers lived. Here also dwelt the Sennin, or mountain spirits, wise and good, of whom the old people talked and the soldiers painted on their banners when they went to war. When, about eight years old, a Kakin wanted very much to walk up towards the North Star, which her father showed her shining in the heavens. He'd once travelled up into one of the northern provinces, where during the daytime he could see after, afar off the great snow-white mass of the ever-white mountain rising up to meet the azure sky. There, at the top, he heard, lay the dragon prince's pool, out of which flowed the two rivers that made Korea an island. One was named Tumen and the other, Yalung, after the beautiful green and blue sheen on the feathers of the drake's back, so richly coloured were its shining waters. When a father told of his travels, Katkin longed to go north, to get to the very top and touch the sky. But this she knew she could not do, even if she had long legs and were as strong as a man, for tigers were very numerous, and they were always roaming about. These yellow and black striped brutes were man-eaters. They loved nothing better for a good dinner than a young girl. So as she did not know any way of getting to the top of the ever-white mountains and of seeing the deep blue waters of the pool, except by riding on the back of a dragon, which she sometimes dreamed of, she was waiting and waiting for one of these flying creatures to come, yet it never came. 
Catkin was bound to have fairies visit her, if possible. So one day, sitting under a persimmon tree, reading a story, she held the book in one hand while she struck the ground several times, saying earnestly, Earth Spirit, Earth Spirit, come to me, come up and see me. And all of a sudden, the air seemed heavy with sweet perfume, a silver mist like a cloud spread over a house and garden. Then a dazzling light flooded everywhere, and there stood before her a glistening chariot, made of blue jade with golden wheels. It was drawn by milk-white horses, and on a seat of shining silver sat the western heavenly Queen Mother herself. Attendant upon the Queen Mother were thousands of most beautiful maidens, who were all dressed in replendent robes. They were amber ornaments, silver girdles, necklaces of precious stones, silken robes with many tassels. Their feet shod with gold-embroidered velvet slippers, and on their heads were caps of gold studded with glittering gems. Catkin could hardly count the rich ornaments, necklaces, breast chains and jade ones, like scepters, which they held in their hands. These were shaped like lotus flowers, the faces of all those maidens were rosy, their eyes sparkled, and whole had small hands and feet. In a voice of great sweetness, that sounded like music, the heavenly Queen Mother looked at Catkin and spoke to her, saying, Come forward, little maid, fear not, I shall not take you with me to my palace in the island of gems and give you all you want. Besides, showering blessings on your people, if you will come. Catkin did not feel at all timid or frightened, but came boldly forward and knelt at the base of the chariot. The mother queen first touched her with a milk-white jade wand that was carved like a lotus bud and made the little girl rise. In a moment more, a silver chariot with wheels made of turquoise, drawn by two young Milk-white dragons wheeled up close to her, and the attendant lady in golden robes bade her step in. The dragons were fierce, powerful, fire-breathing creatures, with wide-spreading wings, and their bodies and tails together were of the length of whales, while their eyes darted fire. Yet Catkin was not afraid at all. She thought it was great fun. Then up, through, and far above the clouds, the host of bright beings flew, they followed the Queen Mother's chariot until, far away, they poised in mid-sky. Catkin was told to look over the side of the chariot to the earth and ocean, miles and miles below. She was asked if she could recognise her father's cottage, but she could not. The whole village looked only like a grey mass of thatched roofs, and she could pick out only the temple. There spread out was the great sea, as blue as a sapphire and deep, Places it was green, like an emerald, but she could not see no ships, nor any coast or shores, not any range of mountains, nor signs of land or career. Nothing but ripples and waves were visible. Yet, in the centre of the azure sea was an island. The trees were emeralds, and the roofs of the houses were of gold, and the windows diamonds. They were so full of light that no lamps were necessary. Beautiful beings, all maidens, so lovely in garb and faces those who filled the train of the Queen Mother, walked or played or sang in the gardens, 
or swam and sported in the sapphire waves, or rode and sailed about in boats that seemed as if they were made of marble. They were so white. At a signal from the queen, the singing ceased. Then there rose up wave upon wave of sweetest melody from the players on instruments who were in the gardens below. Catkin thought she heard at intervals the chorus, sounding out the words, rising upward like pulses through the air. Welcome, lovely mortal, our queen invites and we greet thee. Manifold be her gifts to thee and thine. Come, thou, honoured among all Korean maidens, come to us and join our band, and we shall love thee as one of ourselves. In the wink of a falcon's eye, so short a time it seemed, the mother queen and her host descended, and the chariots touched the island, a bevy of radiant maidens came forward, some to attend Queen Mother and some to lead Cat Kin into her own room in the palace. There the most gorgeous robes were put on her, beside a cap, begemmed with glittering, precious stones of various colours and a pair of gold-embroidered velvet slippers. Catkin was surprised when one of the shining maidens set a royal tiara adorned with five gems upon her brow. For me? she asked in surprise. Yes, for you, whom the heavenly Mother Queen would honour. And what do these five gems, jade crystal, malachite, amber and agate signify? <clears throat> asked Catkin. Ah, that is not for us to tell you. But the Queen Mother ordered these. Tomorrow she will explain to you the secret of each gem. Catkin walked about freely, enjoying the lovely sight and sounds. She ate with keen appetite, and to her full of delicacies set on the table before her. Yet never once did she feel sleepy, nor see any beds, nor hear anyone talk of retiring. She wondered what they meant when they said tomorrow, for she could not see no sun or moon or twilight. However, she did not think long about such things, and by and by forgot all about them. When the entire court and all most of the Queen Mother's attendants had assembled, Her Majesty's Chamberlain read the pro- proclamation, which declared that the Queen looked with great favour upon Korean people and had decided to bestow great gifts upon them. For this purpose, she has selected and brought her palace of the Korean maid named Kat Kin to endow them through this their daughter, with five precious traits of disposition and character. In token of gracious thought and tender love, Her Majesty would now present and explain the meaning of five precious gems, jade, crystal, malachite, amber and agate. Katkin kneeled down before the Queen, who placed in Katkin's hands the shining gems. With an attendant fairy, took them from her opened palm and placed each one of them on vermilion velvet edged with gold. Then five maidens stood by, each with a gem laid on a cushion. After the ceremony of presentation was over, the queen made a speech which told the Korean maiden's fortune and a future. Catkin would be sent back over the clouds and ocean to the king's palace in the capital of her own land, and there be made a princess. Many nobles and king's sons from other countries, hearing of her beauty and a wonderful visit to the island of gems, would come to pay her court as suitors. Many would ask for a hand to be wedded to her, but she would marry none, none but the king's son, a prince of her own people. Take these gems, fair maiden, 
and bestow their virtues and what they mean upon your people, said the Queen. A thousand years from now, and men as men count time, we together will visit Korea again. Then both the Queen and Katkin, stepping into the silver chariot, drawn by the fire-breathing dragons, plunged on and mounted up into space. First they sailed over clouds and then dipped downwards, steering to Korea and over mountains, bearing their precious charge as a capital. They reached the ground in a cloud and the wheels of the chariot stood still before the palace gate. Yet, before any mortal eyes could see their full forms, the Queen Mother and the dragons had disappeared, and Cat Kin stood alone. As a replendent maiden of dazzling appearance and in robes given by the Heavenly Queen Mother, which all recognised at once as coming from the Island of Gems. A throng of court ladies and palace attendants, and a long line of nobles and princes were already waiting for the maiden, who they knew came gift-laden from the Queen Mother, of whom all heard from childhood. The five gems were laid, each in a covered casket of perfume wood, encrusted with a gold, on top an inlaid in Mother of Pearl. Escorted into the throne room by the bevy of princesses, the heavenly mother's gifts in the five caskets were reverently placed on silken fans, spread out on a table, having on its top the five cushions of crimson velvet. Then, by lot and word of diviners, the choice of the first drawing was awarded to the prince of fair face, and Mien. The other four nobles, one by one in turn, approached, and each was allowed to choose one of the caskets, all of which looked alike, and none was able to be opened until the possessor, was in his own home. Now these were gifts for body and mind, of which the polished gems were the tokens. According to each prince chosen received, so with the trait, which each gem signified, would his children and posterity be endowed. In the course of centuries these would become the national features of twenty millions of Koreans. One by one the caskets were opened by each prince, and therein he discovered what was the trait and character of the Korean people. These were procrastination, putting off until tomorrow or some other time what ought to be done today, keeping back not only one person but the whole nation. Hospitality, always glad to see friends to entertain people, even strangers, take care of relations, even to making of oneself poor, a habit carried too far as the years and centuries rolled on. Inexactness, the habit of not usually thinking clearly, counting correctly or stating facts precisely, and when telling a story of blowing a conch, that is, of exaggerating. Love of family. How the mothers and fathers in Korea do love their children, their kinsfolk and their relatives. Sense of humour. A Korean can always see the funny side of things. He loves to joke and bears his troubles well, because he likes to smile. As for the girls, they laugh so easily as rain falls, or the flowers bloom. And what the Queen Mother predicted came true. Just as five fingers make up the hand, so the average people among the Koreans are known by the five traits for better or for worse. And that is the end of our next Korean fairy tale. Thank you so much for listening and many blessings.